Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Super Bowl 58 Sunday in Vegas, San Francisco still right around a two, two and a half point favorite, the total at 47 and a half. Gary Myers is a longtime NFL writer, an NFL historian, an NFL Hall of Fame voter as well. We've had Gary on the show before. He joins us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest listener line. Um, I did not ask you via text. Are you, are you in Vegas for the Super Bowl? No, Kevin. I I went to 37 consecutive Super Bowls from 82 to 2018. But when I left the Daily News um, in uh, the spring of 18, I had gone back a couple of times just for the Hall of Fame vote but didn't stay for the game. But we've been doing that vote virtually the last four years. So, um I am not there this year, and trust me, I don't miss it one bit. (laughs) Well, I have been to Vegas many times for the Super Bowl. There was certainly a a large group of friends that 
for about six, seven years in a row, we would say, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. But this year, for the first time, it's actually the Super Bowl in Vegas. And I can only imagine (laughs) what a complete zoo it is. Because when they didn't have the Super Bowl, it was one of the biggest weekends of the year out there. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, you know, I went, you know, we did Radio Row for so many years. And it just, and then sticking around that weekend, a lot of times I took off. But let me just ask you, before we get to your book, which we've talked about, and yeah. get get your thoughts on where Washington is right now as a franchise. So there are, you know, we are going to find out, you know, who the Hall of Fame class of 2024 is. It, it still happens Saturday, right? Is it Does it get unveiled Saturday? Actually, tonight on the NFL it's tonight. show. Okay, so yeah. who, are you pitching for anybody? Well, in the interest of complete transparency, we voted about three weeks ago. So um, I'm sworn to secrecy. Trust me, I would love to give you the list right now, but then they would throw me off the committee. So it would be kind of I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but can you tell me if you yeah. presented anybody this year to the committee? Oh, okay. Uh, this year I did not. Okay. Um, I, I tend to present, um, well, I do present any of the jets that come up. That's my responsibility. But then after the initial presentation, you're allowed to speak on behalf or against, if you want, any of the candidates. So, you know, I certainly um, have my opinions on a bunch of the guys and expressed them when we had that meeting a few weeks ago. You um, you told me last time we talked that you made the recent uh-huh. pitch for, for Jacoby. Um, he wasn't right. in your you know, the the jet category, but because you didn't have anybody else, correct me if I'm wrong, if my memory serves me correctly, you ended up pitching Jacoby. Right. Um, see, that was on the senior committee, which right. um, I'm part of, and that's, that's 12 of us, and there's 12 finalists. So unless you have somebody from the team that you're naturally assigned to, which in my case is the Jets, and that can potentially be the Giants, um, they, they give you um, – you know, they ask you to list your, the three guys in order that you would like to present, and then they try to match up the voters with, you know, the first choice and, you know, conceivably no worse than their second choice. So I had Jacoby on my list uh, because I didn't have anybody from the Giants or Jets to present. And I tell you what, I, I worked so hard on that one. I feel so bad for Joe. He deserves to be in. He should have been in a, as a modern candidate. I, I did a lot of the same things uh, in preparing for him that I did for, say, Joe Klecko the year before. I, I arranged the Zoom call. We had Joe Gibbs on it. Howie Long was on it. Um, I sent out a lot of material, and, and the commanders were very helpful. Their PR department was great in doing a, an information sheet. Um, there was a, a Jacoby video that was put together. They put together. Uh, I, I got endorsements from you know lots of people about joe and i was just disappointed that he didn't get in but certainly i was much more disappointed for him yeah um there's a good chance i'll depending i mean just says if there's no giants or jets that they want me to present uh the next go round in august then i certainly would be very honored to present jacoby again and hopefully he'll get in let me ask you this. I love talking football with Gary Myers, who's joining us right now, especially, you know, going back and talking about the history of this NFL. Um, 
The other guy in town, there's several of them, but the other guy in town Mm -hmm. that we all feel has a case for the Hall of Fame, Brian Mitchell, hasn't gotten there. Mm -hmm. But in this voting, and, you know, don't tell us, obviously, you can't tell us, share with us what the results are. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious as to whether or not you have a big distinction between Devin Hester and Brian Mitchell. Well, you know, I saw Brian Mitchell play his entire career and same thing with Hester. And in in my opinion, which all of this is my opinion, is um, that Devin Hester was the best who ever did it. And for Brian's sake, it's best if Devin gets in, and we'll find out tonight, um, to get him out of the way. And I, in addition to getting him out of the way, I think it would also open the door. Other Now, Devin, I mean, Brian for returners. running back. Yeah, it would open the door for returners to get Devin out of the way. You know, people think, you know, Billy White Shoes Johnson was, right. you know, deserving at some point. That didn't happen. Now he's a senior candidate. Uh, I, I believe Brian's a senior candidate also. Um, how, how long has he been out? What was this last year? Do you recall off the top of your head? Uh, 2003. Okay, so then he would still be a modern era guy. Uh, Let me look that up. I think that's right because he ended with the Giants after a few years in Philly. Right, I, I do. I do remember that. Yeah, Two thousand three. I nailed it. Two thousand three. Yeah, okay. All right. Very good. Uh, that so was a guess. He would have. <laughs> so he would have start to be eligible, you know, five years after that, and then he's good for twenty years on the modern ballot. So he's still a modern year candidate. Um. So my point is. Many people consider Hester to be the, the best ever as a returner. So if, if Hester gets in and gets out of the way, yeah. then I think it would it would lead to conversation about Brian, whether or not the committee would look to put two returners in so quickly. I don't know. I always just vote for the five best players, the five most deserving players, regardless of position. They can all be offensive guards if, if they're the five best guys and had the five best careers, I mean, that's never going to happen, but um, Brian certainly had a tremendous career and uh, deserves to, you know, consideration for sure. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think Devin Hester is, is clearly the greatest returner of all time. I don't think in my years of watching the NFL, which go back to, you know, kind of the early to mid seventies, there's ever been a more feared returner than Devin Hester. I don't think there's been. Um, you know, a lot of people around here think that B. Mitch should already be in, but I think your point is a good one. We don't have returners, you know, pure returners in the Hall of Fame. So if Devin Hester becomes the first, which I think he's deserving, um, then that mm-hmm. clears the way for B. Mitch, who, by the way, Gary, you probably know this, is still second all-time to Jerry Rice on all-purpose yardage on the list. That's a pretty impressive statistic. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Does Washington, do the commanders have a ring of honor? Yes. And yeah, they've got a ring of honor. It? Oh, yeah, he's in it. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling it up oh, right okay. now. I, 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 he's got to be in it. Of course he's got to be in I, it. I would yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, would, yeah he's in it. He's been on the, that, uh, the list of, you know, the, the 80 greatest, the 90 greatest, you know, in franchise history. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Brian, Brian is, uh, is easily on that list. He was yeah okay I I would have I would have figured I just wasn't sure yeah. if the commanders actually did that because yeah they do things kind of went sideways during the previous administration with the owner there so I don't know yes 
what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so but the fact that he's in, it's hard to get in the Hall of Fame if you're not in your own team's Ring of Honor. I'll just say that. Yeah, no, no, understood. He, he was he was a lock for the Ring of Honor. He's he's one of the every, every you know every ten years, even during the Snyder years, even though they botched it a few times um, and spelled people's names wrong uh, and a lot of sloppiness around some of these uh, these these things that they did. Um, but every ten years yeah. they'll have you know the eighty greatest, and then they'll add ten for the ninety greatest. And I think we are yeah. you know another five or six years away from the 100 greatest in franchise. And then on top of that, there's a ring of honor, um, which Brian is in. But that's a really – Devin Hester clearing the way for the guy that stands as number two behind Jerry Rice on the all, all-purpose yardage list, mm-hmm. I think will give him a chance in the future. Anyway, let's move on. Um, okay. What is your, from afar, but an NFC East guy, you know, a, 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 <laughs> historically mm-hmm. – uh, what is your view of the Washington franchise now? No Snyder obviously means that we've got a chance finally. Um, but what did you make of the hiring of Adam Peters to be the GM and Dan Quinn to be the head coach? Well, I, I like the, the Peters hire. I remember the Giants um, strongly considered him a couple of years ago before they hired Joe Shane. Coming from a winning organization like the 49ers with a great culture out there. And I have a lot of respect for John Lynch. You know, he went from the broadcast booth to being the GM and has built a team that's in its second Super Bowl and has been in a bunch of NFC championship games. You like hiring people that come from winning organizations because he's learned how to do things the right way. Uh, The shine came off a little bit of Dan Quinn's star uh, when the Packers hung 48 on them in the, yeah. in the first rounds of the playoffs, which you know was pretty shocking, but that that shouldn't really negate or overshadow the great work that Quinn did uh, in Dallas in three years, or, you know, turning the defense into you know the best turnover unit in the league, and um, he's widely recognized as just a tremendous leader. I, I know him a little bit. I think he's a great guy. Um, my concern is that when he was in Atlanta, I hate to pin 28 to three on him, but I mean, that was disgraceful how the, the Falcons lost that game. And then his three years in Dallas, you know, they didn't, they couldn't even get to a, a conference championship game. So he doesn't necessarily have the resume of success that you would like, but you can't, you know, pin that all on him. Uh, again, from from my vantage point, you're hiring a defensive coordinator, getting a second shot at being a head coach after replacing a head coach who was a defensive coordinator who got a second shot at being a head coach. Uh, is Dan Quinn a better coach than Ron Rivera? I, I guess we'll find out. Um, but it seems to be a similar profile. Uh, between the coach they fired and the coach they hired. We're talking to Gary Myers. So what is the feeling around the league about Washington today? You know the history of this organization, mm-hmm. the sure. marquee franchise that it once was. But for the better part of, of two and a half decades, it's been one of the worst franchises in all of sports. With Snyder gone, is there a hope? Is there a belief? Is there a push for Washington to be relevant again on the NFL stage? 
Oh, absolutely. I think the first thing they have to do, not the first thing because it won't happen overnight, but they need to get a new stadium. They need to get out of that monstrosity in Lando. Um, I just think it's it's just one of the worst stadiums of in the course. league. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, they need to get back into the city or closer to the city. I'm not really up on where any of those conversations are at the present time. Putting it on the side of RFK, RFK Stadium, I think, would be tremendous. Yep. When I was in Dallas from, in the 80s, from 81 to 89, the game I looked forward to every year was the Cowboys at Washington and those stands rocking. And it, it was just tremendous, tremendous football in the NFC East in the 80s. And Dallas, Washington was the highlight. Uh, there's no reason it can't get back to that with the proper ownership um, and, and the proper leadership uh, in the in the football office, which I, I mentioned I think they have now. Um, having the second pick in the draft, they'll get a quarterback. Uh, they'd probably love to have Caleb Williams because he worked with Kingsbury for a year at SC. I don't see that happening because I think Chicago's going to take him in, unless – Suddenly they have a revelation that either Drake May is better than Williams or they'd rather keep Justin Fields, but I don't anticipate that. So um, I I think Drake May will wind up there. It possibly could be Jaden Daniels by the time all the evaluation is done. But having a new – let me say this. Having a new owner, new general manager, a new coach, and a new quarterback gives the team a really good chance to totally change the narrative that's been there for, for much too long. And so we'll just have to see, you know, how the hires have worked out and whether the quarterback they pick, you know, can, can be, you know, it's usually 50-50 when quarterbacks go 1-2 in the draft. One makes it and one doesn't. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, you just mentioned it. New owner, new general manager, new coach, new quarterback potentially. But I think you understand this, even though you're not in this market. Another big mm-hmm. issue here with certainly, you know, those of us of a certain age is the name. Um, we all realize Redskins is not coming back. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have any feel for what the league thinks about what Washington should do with the current name? I have to assume because you're asking me that question that people in Washington hate that name. Yeah, the, the majority exactly. of the fans want want it, uh, want to change. But, you know, you also have a significant percentage of fans that think that they should just go back to Redskins, which I believe that ship has sailed. Um, but still, yeah. you know, moving off a name in which – you know, essentially those that were involved with Dan Snyder picked, and nobody likes it anyway. Nobody likes the uniforms. Yeah. I'm talking about real fans and not not the people that aren't from here and, and don't feel it like people uh, like I do, mm-hmm. um, as, as an example. Yeah. Do you have any sense that the league has a preference one way or the other about whether or not they keep the current name or go to something else? I think at this point, having rid themselves of Snyder, that if if Josh Harris came to them and said that um, he wanted to change the name again, I don't think they'd have a problem with it. But you know, honestly, I haven't spoken to anybody okay. about it. I, I think it's—I don't want to say it's irrelevant because teams get so uh, fans get so attached to their teams that um, they want to be able to embrace the name. It, 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 
it's not, you know, you can look at it, oh, it's just a silly thing, you know, what's the difference in its name. But it, it does mean something. I personally liked Washington football team better than I liked Washington Commanders. <laughs> Me too. Especially because it was like a year after there was a team called, although nobody remembers it, in the um, the old Alliance League that didn't even last a full season, but there was the San Antonio Commanders. So I, I would have thought that they could have come up with something a little bit more original than that and, you know, something a little more pizzazz to it. But um, yeah. you can question basically everything that Dan Snyder did for 24 years. And uh, But I, I can understand the fans want to get rid of the name because they don't like it and because it was a Snyder choice. And also Josh Harris, you know, that would be a way of completely turning the page and saying this is a new chapter and um, and coming up with something that's, you know, more attractive to the, to the fans. I mean, the Washington has been such a great franchise. Um, and I'll go back to the pre-Snyder days. Um, just a foundation franchise of the league. And, and what it's turned into the last two-plus decades is just, it's inexcusable. It really is that it can't turn into a joke. And um, hopefully better days are ahead. Gary Myers is joining us on the show. Gary, longtime NFL writer, historian, Hall of Fame voter. His book, Once a Giant, A Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football, is a story about the 86 Giants with LT and Parcells and Belichick and Phil Simms and Joe Morris and that whole group that won the Super Bowl, you know, beat Denver uh, in Pasadena. Lots of incredible stories about the lives of the players on that team, uh, which has led to some, you know, very difficult times for many of those players. Um, it's a it's a great book. You can get it anywhere you, you get that book. You know, because we've had this conversation before, and the last time I had you on, we talked a, a lot about what the book was about, but it ended up, mm-hmm. you know, sort of getting into – the stories of that team. And by the way, the three games it played against Washington during that season, um, including yeah. the NFC Championship game on that windy day in the Meadowlands. Um, what are some of the stories about that particular team in that particular season that really stand out to you? Yeah, well, Kevin, first of all, I, I appreciate you letting me talk a little bit about that. Um, I, I just want to tell like the Washington football fans that although the book is about the 86 Giants, it's really about life after football for football players of that generation. I just chose to write about this team because I live in New York. I I know so many of those players, and they won a championship, but I really wanted to write about that generation of players from the mid to late 80s. And so certainly the, the stories in there or about the 86 Giants, but they really could have been about the 86, and I'll call them the Redskins because that's what they were known at that time. Um, it can it'll apply to the, any team in the league from that period of time because these players are all really experiencing a lot of the same problems, the mental health issues, the financial issues, certainly the physical issues. Um, so they're, they're about the 86 Giants, but I think um, – any football fan, or you don't even have to be a football fan, because I think this book transcends sports somewhat. And people have related it and compared it to The Boys of Summer, the Roger Kahn book about the Brooklyn Dodgers, where he, he took a look back at that team. Um, 
So I, I think it's an important book because it does explore an area that not enough has been written about. But, you know, some of the stories that really... Well, let me just... You know, I, I, I didn't be, want to take yeah. away from that part of it, um, but we had done that before when you were on. But I do want you to reiterate the story that you told me about what Parcells yeah. essentially has come out of pocket for okay. over his lifetime for many of his former players. Yeah, I mean... Kevin, I think that's the most compelling story in the book other than when I recount a lot of the issues that the players are having, and four of them are on the record in the book having said that things got so bad they contemplated suicide, and you know, fortunately that didn't happen. Um, but with Parcells, and this just came up in a conversation I had with him in, in uh, April of 2022. I went down to see him in Tequesta, Florida, and we're just talking about everything. And he brings it up that he's loaned $4 million to, and that's a total of $4 million to about 20 of his former players yeah. who are in financial distress. And, you know, I said, Bill, why did you do that? Why are you doing that? You, you have no obligation. And he goes, but I feel that I do because I know what they meant to me for my career helping to win a couple of Super Bowls and then, you know, making a, a tremendous amount of money uh, in all the jobs that he had since then, which was built off of his success with the Giants. But I think he also knows that um, the way he, how he drove them so hard uh, with the Giants and the days that you can have two days in pads, you know, four or five days a week, and you can practice in pads during the season without having to get a, a a permission slip from the union. Bill knows that those practices probably have a lot to do with the situations a lot of his players are facing now, mm. you know, with the concussions and the post-concussion syndrome and the, the concern about CTE. So he knows that he can't reverse that, Kevin, but what he can do is try to help these players get through this period in their lives where he can alleviate some of the financial concerns. So he feel, really feels a responsibility to these guys, which I think is incredibly unique. I haven't heard any other coach do that. No. And he had a love-hate relationship with a lot of these guys because of how hard he drove them. And a lot of the players really had a hard time with him. But it's all changed now. He's in his early 80s. He's kind of become like a compassionate grandfatherly type. Players send him cards and call him on his birthday. They do the same on Father's Day. He considers these players his friends, and he likes to help his friends. And I, I think it's an incredible story that's really changed the perception of Bill Parcells, both among Giant fans and just you know fans around the country who've read about that. Um, Gary, do you think do you think that Belichick's players will feel the same way about him that Parcells' players, as they got older, felt about him? You know both of those they, men. They've had a yeah, I think the relationship in real time was much different. Although Bill was a t Parcells was a tough guy, he also, while he was coaching, had a warm side to him and a real caring side for his players. You know, like I mentioned, not everybody felt that way about him, but I, I think he always really cared about his players and tried to build relationships with them. I think with Belichick, he was intentionally standoffish with these guys, including Brady. Because he knew one day it was going to end, whether he was going to cut him or trade him or uh, or convince him to retire. 
So Bill didn't ha- Belichick did not have that kind of relationship with his players. Now, now it, you've, I've seen it change with guys who retire and then come back, and he embraces them then. But he never wanted to get too close to them because he right. knew he was going to have to make a difficult decision with them at some point. Um, it remains to be seen, really, because he's. I think he's going to coach again, but with some of these Patriot players that have retired and have come back, I, I think Bill has embraced them, but um, it was just different in real time how each of those two guys treated them. Sure. Um, we're talking to Gary Myers, and I could do this with you for like two hours, but we are running short on time. But there are a few things that I want to knock out real quickly with you. So give me sure. the best story of that 86 Giant team, which is we, we remember very much here in D.C., do you want a, a story from 86, or do you want a story about what's going on with them now? Because I have plenty of both. The the story of the 86 Giants. That's that memorable season. Okay. Yeah. I think the most fun story that I tell in the book is Friday nights was the, their night out in the city. Remember, they're in New Jersey, yeah. and but only 10 miles from midtown Manhattan. But with the traffic and all they basically couldn't really hang out much in the city on school nights, so to speak. But Friday nights was their night out and they would caravan into the city or they'd take a car service into the city and stay out till four o'clock in the morning. The problem was that Parcells, whether it was a home game or a road game, had a nine o'clock meeting on Saturday morning. So what the player, a lot of the players would do is they'd pack, if it was a road game, they would pack their suitcase for the weekend, stick in the trunk of the car, and then to get done with practice and meetings at 4 o'clock, they would kill some time in Jersey and then hang out in the city till 4 o'clock. But, Kevin, the biggest concern was oversleeping Parcells' meeting at 9 o'clock and incurring his wrath and getting fined and you know potentially oversleeping the, the team flight you know an early afternoon on Saturday. So what they did was, there was a caravan of cars coming into the giant stadium parking lot between four and five o'clock in the morning on Friday night or Saturday morning, depending on how you want to look at it. And these players would sleep in the parking lot and they would pay $50 a man to the locker room kids to come knock on the the window of their cars at about eight forty-five to make sure they were up. And, they weren't allowed to leave the side of the car until the player was up and out of the car. And then there would, you know, be a parade of players going down the tunnel leading to the locker room. Right. And they would not miss Parcells meeting. Now, I think it was fairly ingenious and Carl Banks was the leader of that group, but in a weird way, that was the teamwork they displayed on Sunday. They looked, they had each other's back on Friday nights making sure nobody missed the Saturday morning meeting. And I really think that translated into how they had each other's back on the field on Sunday because that was such a tight-knit team and the brotherhood they formed. Uh, still today, they look out for each other today. I mean, Harry Carson considers himself captain for life. So, And when I asked Parcells if he knew that the, his players were sleeping in the parking lot, he had no idea. He said, but that was pretty creative, you know, because yeah. they knew if they missed my meeting, they were in big trouble. Right. Um, so you, Gary Myers, was the author or co-author 
of the book that never happened, which was the book that yeah. you were co-authoring with RG3 about his time right. in Washington. Will that book ever see the light of day? To the best of my knowledge, the answer to that one, unfortunately, is no. Um, I've left the door open with Robert if he wants to revisit it at some point. I had 85,000 words written when he decided he didn't want to do it. Um, and he was in control of the project. So um, as long as I got my money, which I did, I, you know, I, there was nothing I can really quarrel with. It was, it was his decision. It was a great book. It really was. And um, what I, made I it great? That, um, what made it great? Um, well, what I can say is that I thought I asked great questions and I thought he gave great answers and I thought I wrote it great. <laughs> and the end product I thought was terrific. And um, I was very disappointed that it didn't get published. Uh, I, I pretty much have to leave it at that. Um, other than it was not my decision and I understood what Robert's concern was that he was just getting his career started at ESPN and he was, you know, kind of concerned about whether he pissed people off, if I'm allowed to say that on your air, um, with what was in the book. Um, I tried to reassure him that I didn't think that was the case, but, um, his broadcast agent felt otherwise. And um, I, I would love to give you more specifics about what went on, but um, it would probably wind up costing me money. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's fine. I, I you you answered the, the the next question, which was why it didn't come out. You just answered that. And I can yeah. only imagine um, the... Uh, the interpretation of his time here from his standpoint, um, which probably differs from a lot of others, but who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get the book one day. All right. Last one for you. Uh, yeah. of you've been, you've, you've lived the life of, of the Super Bowl era. A lot of metrics will tell you that the 91 skins are the greatest Super Bowl team of all time in terms of a team that won the Super Bowl. The 2007 mm-hmm. Patriots are often thought of as the greatest team uh, or mm-hmm. having the greatest regular season. Who's the greatest Super Bowl team of all time in your opinion? You know, it's funny you asked me that question because I, I did a top 10 list on Twitter or X uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I actually forgot, and I, I'm mad at myself. I forgot to put the '91 Redskins in the top oh. ten. I regret that because, yeah, I know it was a mistake. Okay, what can I do? I mean, I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, who was your number one? Yeah, I mean, that, my number one was the '85 Bears. Okay, and here's why I say that: they were not the most complete team because their offense right. wasn't great. Obviously, I mean, they had Walter and 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 the fridge. They had the fridge on offense, and and McMahon was hurt probably half the season, but that's the only team I've ever covered where I thought the other team was afraid to step on the field against them. And I saw that I was working in Dallas yeah. in the 85 season and crushed them. the Cowboys lost to 44, nothing. Yeah. And Washington got Cowboys beat that year 45 to 10 by the bears. Yeah. I, I truly felt after about the first two series of the game, the Cowboys would have rather just headed into the locker room, got showered and left yeah. the stadium. 
Um, it's not a bad choice. I, I got to run. I, w- I wish I could sit here and do this with yeah. you for a longer period of time. You've yeah. been so well, so generous with, you with your time. Number, call me anytime. All right, Gary. Uh, awesome job. The book is Once a Giant, A Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football. Uh, enjoy the game Sunday. We'll talk soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 